is the Child Deception Podcast powered by Awana. My name is Ross Cochran, and I am so excited that you're here. We have a very, very special episode today, guys. Um, I am joined by Matt Markins. Matt, welcome. Um, Matt, I was going to say, what do you do for work? But uh, everyone who's listening, they're pretty well established with your ministry. So welcome back to the podcast, sir. Always good to be with you, Ross. Thank you. Now, Matt, you and I are here today to talk about a very specific project. So can you let folks know, uh, folks who are listening, this is available now, but let folks know what we're here to talk about today. Yeah, September 21st, 2023 is the launch of my new book, The Faith of Our Children. Uh, The subtitle is Eight Timely Research Insights for Discipling the Next Generation. So right there up at the top, the title is The Faith of Our Children. I think it's the most important conversation we could be having in the church today. And uh, uh, just super, super thrilled to be a part of this. Yeah. And what I love about having this kind of conversation every single week is that people who are listening agree with us, right? We get to have this conversation with people who inherently agree. But we want to make sure that this isn't just two guys agreeing with each other for the next 45 minutes. So we're going to talk about the book and we're going to talk about what people can expect. But I want to be really clear right from the beginning. The goal of this conversation is for you to understand, listener, what's in the book, what you can expect from it. But more importantly, why this book matters for the context of your ministry. We want to make sure that this is something that you're able to jump immediately into in yeah. your community, in your context. Um, so let's let's dive in that to start off why did you write this book why now yeah well uh if, if you're listening to this podcast uh you know it's, it's almost like saying when a tree falls in the forest and does anyone hear it you know what i mean like if you're listening to this podcast <laughs> you know you're listening because you probably care about kids you, you you have children in your life personally in your family or your church community or your school or on your sports team that you care deeply about and so uh, obviously we're writing about this because we care about the future of faith. We care about the faith formation of children. But so t- specifically, though, we started asking the question about a decade ago, what is it the church does that leads to lasting faith in kids? And I'll say that one more time, because I think it's one of the most important questions that a church, if you're a pastor, a leader in a church or, or a serious minded parent who thinks about this stuff, uh, we've been asking that question. What is it the church does that leads to lasting faith in kids? And when we say the church, we mean the church, you know, in the most communal sense, like pastors, leaders, staff members, volunteers, parents, grandparents, congregants, like that church community, that web of relationships that makes up the communal environment that a child exists inside of within a part of a church community. What is it the church does together that leads to lasting faith in kids? So we started out. I did our first research project in 2013. Here we are 10 years later. We're on project, a research project number 11. Um, and so, so we've completed nine of the 11. And I think, it's, I think it's seven of the projects are referenced in this book. So we've got eight timely research insights that are we're pulling, extrapolating data from those seven projects. And we think, it's, we think it's some pretty important stuff in there. Yeah. You know, one of the things that stands out to me is folks who listen to this podcast on a regular basis, they've probably heard uh, Pastor Darren Whitehead, who is one of the speakers at the Child Assumption Forum. And he was mentioning how one of the things that he loves most about Awana is how we are engaging in this space. We're engaging in both child discipleship on a weekly basis, but we're also engaging in analysis of the conversation around child discipleship. Mm. And 
to ask the question this way, what's the big idea of this book? Why, you know, you explain why now, but what is this book? What makes this book unique from some of these other projects or some of the other books that you've authored? Yeah. So the subtitle, Eight Time to Research Insights, we, we, we really have uh, two groups of four. So we have four chief insights on the front end of the book and four on the back. And we, we, we have them under two umbrellas or two categories. The first four, the first half of the book is about formation. So in other words, we, we, it's part one is formation, the primary investments that are most known to form lasting faith in kids. So, so if, if, you're, <laughs> if you're a grandparent or parent or church leader, you're thinking as you think about the kids in your church, you're probably thinking, what are the primary things we can invest in that are going to have the highest return on that investment, right? If, if we were thinking about our retirement or, or our home or any, any asset that's hugely important to us, we want to know how to make that investment grow. So as we think about the faith formation of our children, probably the most important thing we could be thinking about in our whole lives, right? So what are the primary investments that we make in the lives of children that are known to form lasting faith? So the first part the first half of the book, those first four insights are all about formation, the faith formation of our children. And I think if you're if you're wondering yourself, why, why are you using the word formation? Well, your children and my children are being formed with or without our participation. You know, like if, if you're a highly intentional parent or if you're a, a rather disengaged or or maybe even uh, maybe a better way of saying that would be just, you know, you're just not hyper focused on this, you know. Your children are being formed. They're being formed by the culture around them. They're being formed by their school. They're being formed by the entertainment system, by screens and technology and friends, on and on and on and on. So it's not a matter of are our children being formed. It's a matter of who or what is forming our kids. So the first half of the book is all about the top four insights we've learned through the research on formation. Now, the second half of the book is about systems. So, it's, you know, OK, we talked about formation now we're going to talk about systems. Well, why systems? Well, the, the second part's about systems because it's the norms, processes, infrastructure, and culture that we depend upon to form the faith of our children. So as we think about, hey, we're going to influence our kids, we're going to shape their lives, we're going to form them into being the, the, the young adults of the future. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, that's the, the norms, the processes, the infrastructure, the culture, and the systems that we're depending on to form that faith. And so what we do in the second half of the book is we, through, based on the research, we walk through the four big chief insights that related to systems. And uh, so basically this book, the point of the book is to set beside one another, the top four insights on formation and the top four insights on systems. And we're asking ourselves, do these really go together? Are we making assumptions that our systems are actually aligned to help us form the faith of our kids. And I think, I think we do. Right. But I think what we're learning through the research is, Oh boy, um, there's an incongruence here. Like, like they're, they're not aligning properly. So the purpose of the whole book being divided into two parts is to help us ask the questions. Well, what would those appropriate systems be? If we know these are the top things that are going to form lasting faith, what can we do to align our systems, our norms and our culture to form the faith of our children. I think that's really what we're all after. So you use the word incongruence. And I think yeah. it's one of what you've identified in the book is one of those things that everybody in this community probably feels, whether you use the word incongruence to it or tension, 
this is something that you're going to read and be thankful for that there's data to, to yeah. support what is many or most or perhaps all of our lived experiences as part of the child assumption community. One of the things that I'm mindful of is there's a temptation in reading something like this to approach going, well, finally someone said it. Or there's also a temptation to read this and feel overwhelmed. Mm. So I'm curious, what are you hoping people do with this information? How are you hoping people, this is a rare instance of being prescriptive with this podcast. How are you hoping people read it? Because I imagine it's not read it and then slam it down on your senior pastor's desk and say, see, we need to do more. Yeah. Well, uh, so on the, on the one end, let me first say this. This is a book about research. Period. This is a book about research. We we know what the Bible says about the gospel and child and discipleship and how to lead children to Christ and how to disciple them. We know what the scripture says. Alongside of that, in light of today's culture, we're trying to gain wisdom in, in, in that in light of today, 2023 and beyond, how do we best steward everything in front of us to form the faith of our children? So it's a book about research so that we can gain wisdom, so that we can have insight on how to lead and uh, lead children to Christ and disciple them. So uh, I think what I, the advice I would give is that, you know, they, they say that most human beings can only work on one or two things a year if they're going to progress their life or if they're going to progress uh, something within their organization. So I think I would read this book and I would boil it down to, okay, like here, here if I found something valuable out of this book, and I think this is the chief insight and here's what I need to do with that. I would, I would get a team of people together at my church to read it together, whether that's a small group or your children's ministry team or your volunteer team or your, your senior staff, whatever that group is. It could be a group of parents. I think I would read it together as a group and I, I would facilitate dialogue and conversation and prayer and discussion and say, OK, what are what are the one or two things we're extrapolating from this that we think we should do together? That That's the. That's the process I would use I, as to what that one or two things that's up to each church and each reader to decide. But that's, that's what I would focus on. Yeah. I think it's important to, to say both of those things in tandem, right? This is not the kind of book that we want you to read and not along with approving. Right. Yeah. That's what this podcast is for. Right. This book is something we want you to engage with and engage with, with a team. But this is not the kind of thing. If you're looking for Matt to tell you what to do, this is not what this book is about. Um, now you mentioned these chief insights and I want to make sure we, um, we preview some of these insights. For people. Sure. Obviously we want to make sure people buy the book and you can access the book in the show notes, wherever you're listening. You know, you and I are having this conversation right now. You and I live are at the child disruption forum, but, um, for folks who are picking up this book right now, as it's coming out, what are the chief insights within the context of formation? Well, Ross, why don't I just give away the table of contents right now? So there, there's only eight of them. So I'm, I, I'm guessing we have time to say eight words or so. But uh, so the, for, the, the four chief insights around formation are this goal. In other words, the goal or the objective. The second one is relationships. The third is Bible engagement. And the fourth is cultural formation. So let's keep kind of plowing through these. The, the, that first chapter is extrapolating from the research 
and, and saying as a as a community, church, parents, pastors, etc., as a community, we would say the chief goal or objective of children's ministry is about forming the lasting faith of our children. That is our heartbeat. That's our passion. When we when we have anxiety around the future of our children, it's because we want to know that in their future, they're going to have a thriving, lasting faith. So we, we put the research on the table. What have we learned that we all share in common? It's, it's that. And I think that's important to state because that allows us to look up at that goal, to look way, to pick our eyes up and look at down the future toward that goal and ask the really hard questions. Okay, if that's our shared goal as a community, as a parent, as a church, et cetera, now we've got to ask, are we are we wired up in such a way that what we're doing with our kids is designed to help get them there, right? It's like shoot, shooting an arrow toward a target, right? Like, are, are we moving in the right direction? Because if we're not, then boy, that's a whole set of conversations there. So that's that's goal. Secondly, in chapters two and three, we get into the, the really the two primary factors that shape faith. And it's probably not surprisingly to our listeners, but it's relationships and scripture engagement. So we say that relationships is the most catalytic factor and Bible engagement is the most foundational factor. So a catalyst and a foundation are two different kind of concepts and ideas. A catalyst is like, you know, you insert a new element into an existing environment and something changes, right? So what is that new element that's being insert into environment that creates a different reaction or response, it's relationships. When a child has dynamic, loving, caring, thriving relationships, this is probably not new to most of our listeners, but it could be to some of them. Like that is a game changer. Relationships are the most catalytic factor to long-term success, whether we're talking about faith formation or a child having a thriving, healthy life or a child having a career relationships are the catalytic factor that are most known to create stable adults, whether we're talking about faith formation or secular ideas or whatever. So relationships is where it's at. And by the way, just look at the life of Jesus. It's all about relationships. That that second factor there, Bible engagement, it's the most foundational factor in forming lasting faith in kids. So, you know, a house without a foundation uh, problem, like skyscraper without a foundation problem, right? A car without a frame, you know, so on and so forth. Like found the engaging the Bible is the most foundational thing we can do with a child to transfer lasting faith to that child, to lead them to the gospel, a start a relationship with Jesus, have ongoing spiritual growth, so on and so forth. But the fourth factor in the first half of the book, it has to do with cultural formation. Uh, back when you and I were growing up, I know I'm probably a decade older than you, but when we were growing up, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, I look a decade older than you, Matt, so it kind of balances uh, out. Yeah, so in previous decades, we were living in what's called a quasi-majority Christian culture. Uh, you know, Jesus had a seat at the main street, mainstream cultural table, right? Like the Bible was a respected book. Billy Graham was the ideal human being. The local church was considered to be a relatively positive institution in our communities. Well, now here we are in 2023, and you know, mega churches are crumbling right and left. The public perception and trust of pastors and churches is much lower. Uh, people are angry against Jesus's views about human sexuality. So Christianity does no, no longer has the same position at the table of the mainstream cultural Thanksgiving table, right? So, so we're we're living in a in what's called a post Christian culture 
uh, which is, you know, it's the kingdom without the king, as according to Mark Sayers. Like the, the culture wants the kingdom, but they don't want the king. They don't want Jesus. They don't want the Bible. They don't want the church, so on and so forth. So the environment has changed. So it's important to note that because that is the environment that today's child is swimming in. So there's a lot of insight we can get from the research here around how how a great understanding of cultural formation as readers, parents and church leaders, a, a good understanding of cultural formation actually gives us greater insight in how to biblically and faithfully form faith in today's world, not to go toward the culture, but to like Daniel in the Old Testament, who, who stood in the in the lion's den, like the three Hebrew children who stood in the fire, right? Like we want children with a lasting faith that bends and flex, but does not break under the weight of culture. So these four insights of the goal, uh, the outcome of lasting faith, relationships, vital engagement, and, and cultural, how to navigate the culture. Boy, th- these are really the top four insights that we've gained over the last decade. But if you read the chapters, there's obviously a ton of good drill down data and information in there that's super helpful to a parent, uh, a children's ministry leader, as well as a pastor. Yeah. And, you know, I would encourage folks to dive into it because if I'm thinking particularly about the person who is new to the community or the person who is a part of this community who didn't feel particularly equipped when they walk in the door. The example I always think about this is my wife was the children's ministry leader at our church yeah, because she was the person at the church who the pastor knew she was a pediatric nurse. Yeah. And that was the qualification uh, for child discipleship in the context of that. Journey. You're hired. You're qualified. You're hired. Yeah. Exactly. For someone like that, they may hear this conversation and be, and f- have the natural instinct to feel overwhelmed. Right. Because for them, they are going, wait, I'm just trying to, I'm still trying to make sure I know where the bathroom is in my church. And now you're telling me I got to keep in mind cultural formation and where does all, where does all of this go? But I say to that person, and I want you to respond to that person as well, there is so much practical insight in here. And Matt, you have done such a great job of making that research make sense to that person and to every person who's going to read this book that you're going to walk away with things that are going to make sense to your ministry, whatever that context is. Yeah. Um, but for that person who's new, who maybe yeah. is... How does that person engage with that text? Well, think think about your church facility. Like if you if you could in your mind right now build a quick map of your church facility. Now, the first time you walked into that facility and you're go and, and you're following the 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 usher who's who's leading you to the children's ministry and says, "Here's the preschool, here's the elementary wing, and now we're going to go back up to the sanctuary." Like the first time you go somewhere man, it can be a little intimidating. Like you're turning right, you're turning left, you're going down another hallway. It's like, am I going to remember how to get back? But by the time you've gone to that church a month or two months, all of a sudden you have a map in your head to where you don't have to think about how do I get here and there, right? So the first, like this book has eight primary components, right? Four and four. So in the beginning, when you read this, yeah, it could be a little, that's a lot of information, but as you read through it, guess what's happening? You're building a map. You're building a map of, okay, here's four big components that I have had time to digest and build my mind around. Now I'm going to move into the second half, and we're going to talk about the four components of the systems we use. By the time you've navigated your way through the book, you've built a map of here's the four things that lead to lasting faith, and here's the four dominant systems we're relying upon to form faith 
that may or may not be really helping us achieve our objectives like we've gone to. It's really map building, Ross. Just working your way through this book, we're helping you build that. Now, now what we're not saying, like your church facility, you're not going to be a master at knowing every room of your church and every square inch of it, but you know how to navigate, you know how to get around. This book's going to help you know how to navigate and get around and to build uh, your children's ministry and your child discipleship philosophy and strategy for your home and your church around the components most known to lead to lasting faith while simultaneously evaluating, hey, our culture, our systems, our processes, are they really designed to help us achieve that? If not, then, hey, let's have some conversation about that. That's it's map building, Ross. And I, I think I think it's not over, just like when you go to your church a few times, it's not overwhelming after you've been there a few times. And I think as readers work their way through, uh, you're going to build that map. Yeah. And you had mentioned earlier, you know, listing off these insights and I'd cut you off before we were able to list off the back four. Oh yeah. We so didn't get to the back four. Yeah. We didn't get to the back four for the systems. What are the four key insights related to systems? So yeah, there's four. Uh, so the second half of the book is about systems, the norms, processes, infrastructure, and culture we depend upon to form the faith of our children. And those four systems are time, fun and entertainment, parents, and metrics. So I'll say them again, fun, or excuse me, time, fun and entertainment, cis parents, and metrics. So the, the first one, time, you know, time is our, is our largest uh, resource, right? It's, it's the, none of us are probably getting paid what we wish we would get paid. You know, we're not, we don't have the salary or the budgets we wish we had. But the one resource we all have in common is time, like tick, tick. The clock is ticking, right? We've got every Monday morning, we look at our calendar and we've got the same amount of allotted hours as we did the week before. So what this book is, is we, we did a whole research project in 2022, just simply asking children's ministry leaders, hey, how do you spend your time? And then we, go, we, we keep going deeper and deeper by asking, well, of all the ways you spend your time, which ways are most fruitful in helping to form the faith of children? Well, then we go into, well, okay, but how do you spend the majority of your time? And so we start to help the children's ministry leader evaluate, hey, the ways I'm spending my time, do they actually align with what I say are the most fruitful ways to form the faith of children, right? So what we've learned through the research is we spend the vast majority of our time on administrative tasks, period. Children's ministry leaders if you look at your calendar, what the data says, what, what you told us through the research is you spend the majority of your time in administrative tasks. But when we asked you, well, what are the most fruitful ways to form child disciples? Overwhelmingly, it was relational. It was relational ministry. Relational ministry with parents, relational ministry with volunteers. Well, then we said, okay, how much time do you spend doing those things, relational ministry with parents and volunteers? It was a fraction of our week. Right. It's the smallest percentage of our week. So the answer is not burn it down or blow it up. The answer is much like, like in your retirement, you know, you and I work for an organization that has a 401k matching, like that's, those are pre-tax dollars. And we set those dollars aside first, you know, we're, we're tithing and we're giving to our church. We're setting those dollars aside first. So what, what, what we think the data is telling us is that we're all frustrated about this. We're all frustrated that we're spending all this time on administrative tasks, which, by the way, is necessary. No one's saying don't do administrative tasks. But just, just like our pre-tax dollars for retirement and our giving to our local churches, we're saying those, those minutes and hours we are spending 
toward relational equipping with parents and volunteers. What if we put those hours on the calendar first? What if we temporarily wiped our calendar clean and just said, what if we could move that two hours a week to four hours a week? Or what if we could move that four hours a week to eight hours a week? Like those are not catastrophic changes. Those are, I would call even incremental, much like in our retirement, you know, we, Hey, we get a raise and we boost that 6% of our retirement to 7% or 8%. You know, we're trying to incrementally raise those percentage points. Cause what do we know about that retirement account? It's compound interest over the course of 25, 35, 40 years that yields a far greater result in the end. So I think the data is telling us we're all frustrated about this. We know that the most impactful way to disciple children is to invest relationally into volunteers and parents. Well, we've got to incrementally move that from three hours a week to six hours a week. But the the dividends on the back end of that over the course of three years, six years, 12 years is going to result in far more adults who now have confidence and they're now empowered and they're trained and they're equipped and they're actually engaging children in ways that they're not. And, and I think the data is telling us if, if we don't move this, if we don't move in this direction, we're just not going to move the needle on family ministry. We're not we're not going to get parents actually engaged because they're they're just not equipping. them. So let's skip to chapter seven about parents. What we learned about parents is parents have the most amount of time with children in terms of hours in a week. Right. Like their parents are with them most of the time. But parents are the least equipped to actually do the work. And so and we also discovered that when we say equipping parents as a children's ministry community, what we actually mean by that in terms of our actions is that we hand parents a resource. So we again, we want to equip parents. We have children's ministry leaders are very clear that relational equipping is most effective. Our system is just not designed to do that. Our system designed around administrative tasks and around the weekend experience uh, but we just don't have a system built to do relational equipping, which is what we say is most effective. So um, we're, 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 we are kind of good at giving parents resources that are just not being used, and they're not being used because parents are not equipped. So we're kind of stuck in this vicious cycle. So we, I think we've got to look at these four primary investments known to form lasting faith, and we've got to look at these four systems that we're depending upon to form faith, and we've got to ask some honest questions around are they really aligned and I, I if you if you want to know what i think the punchline is ross I, I think time is that systemic issue i think we've got as a church community as pastors we've got to say the church growth model is only going to get us so far in 2023 and beyond we're we're watching the american church with our obsession with numbers of growing churches and what what we're seeing and all the data not just our data but other research as well we're not forming people with lasting faith. And so time is that non-renewable resource that if we can move relational equipping up, you know, if we, if we can move those hours from two to four a week, I think we're going to have a much greater impact in people who are actually discipled, who can then turn around and disciple their own children. If, if we don't do that, um, I think we can expect to probably not move the needle with parents. Before we go, you chose to end the book with a letter to your to your pastor. And why did you choose to end the book that way? Well, who's closest to the family? Like, who, who is it in the local church on, on on the staff, whether it's part time volunteer or full time? 
it, it's oftentimes the kids pastor or the children's ministry director or that chief volunteer, depending on the size of your church, that person's typically closest to the family. They know what the pain points of parents are. Pastors oftentimes are not as close to that pain and as close to the realities. And so as a kid's pastor, you often go to a conference and you get all pumped up and you go home and now you're now you're left with wondering, well, how how do I help my pastor see, feel and experience what I just experienced? So I was able to condense it down in print. It's three in the book. It's a three page letter. But if, if you go to the URL, which we give you in the book to print it out, it's a two page letter. So uh, if you want to just rip the pages out of the book and hand it to your pastor, it is a modest three page letter. Uh, but if you want to go to the URL and print it out, it's two pages. So the reason I wrote that is because you're very likely going to read this book and think, wow, there's a lot of good stuff in here I wish my pastor could see. So I've condensed that down for you to two to three pages. So, And I think the core message is this. Child discipleship is the most fruitful work in the local church. As a pastor, you're doing really good work. You're, you're concerned about the future of your church. And I, I'm, I'm just simply going to, I want to put the data in front of that pastor to say, if you want to shape the future of your church, well, ask yourself, well, when is worldview shaped in most human beings? You know, you got a lot of human beings in your church. When is their worldview being shaped? It's shaped by the age of 13. Well, pastors operate in the local church as if that deadline is 18, meaning we got to get them ready to graduate their high school, to go out to their college campuses, to be Christ advocates. That's the wrong deadline. The research shows that the deadline is age 13. Therefore, if worldview is largely set by age 13, if I'm a pastor, I'm asking, well, what's happening at age 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 leading up to that deadline? That's what's happening in your children's ministry and what's happening with parents or is, is or is not happening. And so this two to three page letter will give your pastor some things to chew on in a, in a, in a much smaller word count um, to hopefully challenge your pastor to consider more dialogue with you as the one who handed them that short letter. So that's what I want. I, hopefully you can have some good conversation with your pastor and that this is a resource that helps make that happen. Yeah. It echoes everything we've talked about so far. It's highly practical. It's highly relational. And yeah. it will hopefully start a conversation based around the research of this book that helps further the mission of child self. Yep. So, Matt, thanks for writing it. Thanks for the time. Everybody, thanks for watching and thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next week. The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. Young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. The podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard All Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.